0: Well, good morning, and as we get ready to jump in today, we're going to jump into our message. But before we do, just a real quick reminder to you, uh, there's an opportunity to follow along. If you don't know this already, whether you're at home with us or here in person the message notes are online. The easiest way, in my opinion, to get to it, you can go to the website, is just to download the app by uh, going and putting in Gateway Wiley. It'll pull it up. Just so you know, there's links, connections, notes. You can send it to yourself. All that is there. Just want to remind you of that from time to time because that's a, a useful tool to have and take advantage of. Uh, let me share a story with you today. Something really cool that happened two weeks ago. So We had a retreat for our 3rd through 6th graders. And uh, that's always an opportunity for kids to invite friends with them and that kind of thing. And and we love it when they do that. And so uh, one child had invited a friend to come along. This was a girl who had never been to our church before. This friend that invited her ended up not being able to come to the retreat. And this little girl who's in third grade said, I want to come anyway. So by herself, comes to a place she's never been before, comes to the retreat, hears about the God who loves her about Christ who died for her, puts her faith in Jesus, and becomes part of God's family. There's another young lady at the retreat that makes that same decision to trust in Christ. And I share that with you, one, just to celebrate God's goodness, but also to say this. Today we're going to talk about the importance of us serving together. We would not be able to have a retreat like that. There are two young ladies that, unless God used some other avenue at this point, would not have a relationship with Christ if it weren't for people willing to serve. People who gave up their time, people who were willing to come and be uncomfortable sleeping up at the church overnight with a bunch of little kids running around everywhere uh, who were willing to tell others about Christ. And stories like that encourage me so much, and it makes me so proud of our church, It makes me proud of so many of you that I know pour your heart into ministry and pour your heart into giving to others and serving. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate that personally, what a big impact that has, and how much I want everybody to be in that same boat. You know, where all of us have found our place, where all of us are serving in some way and, and using the gifts that God has given us. And let me just say this too on the front end of that. I know for some that probably is really intimidating, maybe even flat out scary, because maybe you think, I don't know what I would do. Uh, I had someone say earlier, I didn't, I used to think I didn't have any spiritual gifts, you know, like maybe God passed me over on that day. And maybe you can relate to that. And if it scares you flat to death, let me just say, don't tune out, okay? But, but God has a place for you, and we're here to help. We're here to come alongside, and we'll, we're happy to do that. But today, I want us to, to continue on in our um, study in the book of Acts. This is the last of our, of our messages in the Better Together series, although we'll keep that theme going for the rest of the year. But last week, we were in Acts chapter 5 and talking about fear. If something scares you, it, it, you know, if you remember the story, you weren't here with us. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit about a, a gift that they made and were trying to, to um, just trick people into thinking something that wasn't true and so they dropped dead on the spot. It says, great fear sees the church. Yeah, um, that's, that's a pretty logical conclusion there. Um, but I, I want you to notice something there in, in chapter 5, verse 13. It says that no one else dared to join them, which makes sense. When people start dying in church, you're probably not going to have uh, a certain group of people that, that, that are going to say, you know, I don't want to be part of that. But the very next verse in verse 14 of chapter 5 says, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And so it almost seems a little bit like a contradiction here. You know, so no one else, you know, fear sees the church. No one else dared to join them. But then all these people joined them. So what's going on here? Is, is Luke confused? Is he, you know, and here's what I think it's saying. Those... that that treated Christianity kind of like a, a freak show. You know, you come and observe the miracles and watch all the cool stuff. You observe it from a distance. Once this happened and people fell dead because they were lying to God, they said, I don't want to have any part of that. Those who weren't really serious about following Christ backed off. But it does say that others were continued to add to their number uh, they continued to grow. We'll see that in chapter six here in a minute. So those that were serious about following Christ continued to come. You know, I think what's happening here is that God is weeding out those that, that just really were kind of half hearted, you know, in their in their faith, in their commitment to Christ. And can you imagine, I think about that, can you imagine being a part of the church where Everybody was, I mean, the people that were there were all in. You know, they they were just going at it. They were serving together. They were were meeting together. They were pooling their resources to help each other. And I just have to tell you, church family, that's what I long to see, is to be a part of something like that. I mean, we're just all in, passionate about following Christ. And, uh, and that starts, or, or at least a, a part of that, I don't know if it's where we start, but at least a part of that is us being willing to serve together. So let's read about that in Acts chapter 6. Let's pick it up uh, in verse 1. It says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So starts off here by saying, the very first verse, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. So again, go back to what we said a moment ago. Some maybe were saying, I don't want any part of that. But others were saying, I do want a part of that. I want to be a part of that. And so their their overall number is increasing and they're caring for each other in a lot of different ways. They're caring for each other spiritually, but they're also, as we've seen on a couple of occasions, they are, they are meeting physical needs for one another because we've seen at least two places where it says that some people sold things and gave to the church and they were meeting needs of others around them. And so now there is a, a major need that comes up and one of the ways that they did that was by caring for widows. Now keep in mind that in this culture... A woman was typically dependent on her husband for survival, really, because for the most part, women didn't work and earn their own income, and so you can imagine if a woman's husband died, they didn't have Social Security, they didn't have a retirement program, you know, to, to, to continue to provide for her, and so what does she do at that point? and the church saw a need and stepped in which by the way is why in James 1:27 it says religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world so one of the practical ways in new testament times that they expressed and lived out the gospel was by helping people who couldn't necessarily help themselves right widows Orphans. And in this particular case, there is an issue that comes up. There is a problem. The problem is that certain widows were not being fed. They were being overlooked in the distribution of food. But that wasn't the major problem. The major problem is that those who were being overlooked were the Hellenistic or Greek widows. So understand what's going on here. Here's a group of people that that already have tension because the tension between Jews and Greeks is already great. That's why Paul said what he did when he was talking about oneness in the body of Christ. And he makes this argument in Galatians 3 verse 28. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The fact that he had to say there's neither Jew nor Greek tells me that that was a major divide. The Jews and the Greeks, they, they didn't get along very well. And so there is some racial tension between these two groups of people. And this one group comes forward and they don't say it like this, but the implication is our widows are being overlooked because they're Greeks. Can you see where this had the potential to tear the church apart from the inside out? What if they didn't handle this appropriately? You know, what if there was somebody who intentionally overlooked them? Or maybe it was uh, unintentional, an honest mistake in some way. But either way, you've got these groups of people and one is feeling like we are intentionally being discriminated against. That has the opportunity to really derail the church at this point. So this is a pivotal time for the church to say, okay, how are we going to deal with a potentially explosive situation? And their strategy was to raise up seven men. I don't know why they chose seven. But they raised up seven men who would be responsible for making sure that all the widows got fed. And by doing this, it would relieve that responsibility from the apostles, and we'll talk about that in a minute, would allow them to continue doing what they were doing. But it would also give the opportunity for these seven to step up and to serve in in a way that allowed them to use their gifts. And so I want us to to just kind of see, okay, what, what can we take from that? As we look at what took place in the early church, what are some of the applications for us? And here's the first one. When we serve, we meet real needs. It's an opportunity to meet real needs. And that's what these seven men were doing. I mean, we know about the physical needs that they met, right? We know that there were were widows who needed help in order to survive. But there is a much deeper need here as well. There is a spiritual need that is being met. Because if they had not stepped into it, think about what could have happened in the church. Galatians 5, verse 15. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. I really believe this could have destroyed the church. This could have really been something had they turned against one another and started fighting with one another rather than figuring out a way to serve one another. It could have destroyed the church. And so they were meeting physical needs, but they were also meeting a spiritual need. And, and by the way, uh, did you notice in verse 3, one of the things that they were to look for, he says, choose seven men from among you who are known. And the first thing he says, who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We'll get to wisdom in a minute. Full of the Holy Spirit, meaning that they are spiritually mature. They are walking with Christ. Even though their primary job was to figure out how to feed people, They knew that there was a spiritual component to it as well. And they wanted those who were spiritually mature to be in charge of this because they knew. I mean, as you do things like that, there are going to be opportunities that come up to meet spiritual needs as well as physical needs. And so I point that out because... I think sometimes we think of meeting needs only in terms of a physical kind of a thing, you know, if you meet a physical need. But let me give you an example of how needs are being met even within this church family on a regular basis. Let's say a mom comes to church by herself with her three children, four-year-old, a two-year-old, and an infant, and she takes those three young children to the So the check-in area over there, she's met by somebody with a smiling face and a warm welcome and um, explains what's going on and how things will work and how security works and gets her tag and all this and explains it all. Then the kids are taken to the class or dropped off. There's a teacher there in the classroom that's very warm and welcoming. We're glad you're here. That mom then leaves that area to come into church. You don't know what she's been through or what she's going through. She could be a single mom, and this could be the first time she's had a moment to herself in months, right? She could be married and going through a really stressful situation in her marriage. She could be going through a difficult season in her life, and she's just looking for something. She's searching for something, and so she decided to come to church, and by having someone love her kids, it frees her up to be able to hear what God wants to say to her. It could be that everything in her life is wonderful. You know, maybe her husband's at work and, and but they have a wonderful marriage and their kids are great and everything is good, but she just wants to have a dedicated hour of worship to really connect with God and to grow in her faith. See, we don't know what her situation is. But those people that were there just to smile and say hello and help you get situated, they're meeting a need. And the same is true across our church. So many of the things that happen that people never see. I mean, people back there running AV and sound and doing things like that. You know, we kind of toyed with the idea of just having them like totally blank the lights out in the middle of the sermon and say, see what would happen if people didn't do what they're supposed to do, right? Uh, but no, they're, they're serving and, and don't get noticed. And there are people that, you know, that, that, that greet and work with children and teenagers and preschoolers and, you know, are part of different ministries. Maybe nobody ever sees those things happening, but they're meeting needs. And when you serve, you are meeting real needs. Whether others notice it or not, I'll tell you this, God notices it. And I'll tell you that we notice it too. We're very, very appreciative uh, for what people do. But then there are other opportunities that, you know, by meeting needs, it's a little more obvious the type of need that you're meeting. I mean, if you serve as a mentor or a leader in regen, and you come along somebody who's walking through a uh, very difficult season, maybe dealing with addiction or some other really difficult thing in their life, and you're able to walk with them through that, that's a little more obvious, right? Or say you're a part of our, our foster love ministry, uh, which provides clothing and other resources to foster families, and you're you know, handing out clothes to a family. You're able to see this is what we're doing. Which, by the way, we had a mom come in this week with three kids that had just been placed under her care, and she said, um, they have nothing other than what's in their backpack and the clothes on their back, and the church was able to provide some clothes and things for them. Um, it, it, uh, if you're a part of helping with Amazing Grace Food Pantry, you know you're 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 handing food out to people, or you're going out to pray with people. You're able to. I mean, those kinds of things. Sometimes you feel like it's a little more hands-on. But whether it is hands-on, which is wonderful, or whether it's behind the scenes when nobody else sees it, everybody that serves is meeting a need in some way. And so the goal is for us to figure out what does that look like for me to to use the the passions that that God has given me to meet needs, even when I may not know those needs that are being met. I was reminded of one of those this week and, and how... You know, Even in the lives of very mature believers, um, it's important for us to help meet one another's needs, to be there for one another. So we have some friends. I have a college roommate. His name is Billy Barber. His wife's Angie. Uh, they are our missionaries with Family Life today. In fact, I think we have a picture of them and their family, sweet little family there. Um, they, they have been serving with Family Life for over a decade now, and I think our church is about to start partnering with them as well and providing some support for them, but... Um, they've moved to this area from Arkansas, and they're trying to relocate, and by the way, having a really, really, really hard time finding a house, as you can imagine, in the market today. They're trying to buy a home, but that's almost impossible to do right now. So they've been living with Angie's sister in Denton, and it's a great situation, and they, you know, they have plenty of room for them and all that, but you know how it is when you're, you're not really firmly planted. And so they came last Sunday, and we got to hang out after church, and we were, we were talking, and... Just talking about, you know, how are you doing and what's going on. And, and Angie shared, and she, by the way, gave me permission to share this. But, but she was, we were talking, and, and she just said, I feel so unsettled. And then she just kind of started to, to really tear up. And she said, we don't even have a church home. She said, I don't know, we don't know where to go because we don't know where we're going to live. And not having that church family around her was, you could tell, it was really impacting her. And that, that really hit me, and one, it just, you know, my heart went out to her, and it made me, made me sad for them, but at the same time, I have to tell you, there's a part of me that went, man, I wish everybody understood the importance of a church family the way she does, you know? But the reason they feel that way is because they came from a great church in Arkansas where they had connections. They were a part of a small group that loved each other and were very close, and I suspect that those leaders and those other members of their small group had no idea the impact that they were having until it wasn't there anymore, right? So we meet needs. When we love each other, when we serve each other, uh, we're, we're meeting needs. But the flip side to that is this, that it also is a blessing for us. Wouldn't you agree that it's a blessing to be on the side of helping meet someone else's need? And, and that's, that's a wonderful thing, and that's why I want that for you. I want you to, to be able to experience that, man, God is using me. God is working through me, and I am making a difference for the kingdom. Maybe I'm making a difference in leading someone toward Christ, or I'm making a difference in encouraging someone in their faith, helping them through a difficult season. We should want that. I want that, and I want that for you as well. And so the question is, do you have that, the blessing of knowing that God is working through you? And if not, we want to help you move in that direction. The good news is this, that, that God does have a place for you, a place that fits your giftedness, a place that, that, that fits who you are and, and how he has wired you. And, and it says here, I said I'd come back to this, this phrase, it says that they were full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. Here's why wisdom, which by the way, those are two different things. Um, in Romans eleven thirty three, 33, it talks about the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God. So wisdom and knowledge are not necessarily the same, but they needed the wisdom to know how to apply the knowledge that they had, right? That's what wisdom is. Knowledge is knowing what you should say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. And so they needed people with wisdom in such a tense situation, a situation where there was uh, all kinds of of potential division and and hurt feelings and all that, so they were able to use that. So that that leads me to the second point. Here's what they were doing and what we can do, and that is that we serve in our area of calling, See, God took their spiritual maturity, he took their wisdom, and he matched those things with with his calling to serve in a particular way. And we need to seek out that same thing. You know, there are are certain skills that we have that we just have been given. We call those talents. There are certain gifts that we have that God has given to us. We call those spiritual gifts. When you can marry your God-given talents and your spiritual gifts and bring those two together, chances are you're going to find your calling. You're going to find a place where God wants you to, to serve, and, and he will work powerfully through you. And he did that with these seven men. And when we do that, it allows us to go deeper. It allows us to be more focused. And so I want to encourage you to seek that out. And again, some I don't even know where to start. Just start. To start, maybe start with asking the question, what am I passionate about? You know, what excites me? And is there some way that God can use what I'm passionate about to serve the kingdom in some way? But sometimes you just got to try, right? Sometimes you just got to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this a shot and see how it goes. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't work. But, but we're going to give it a try. So find those that opportunity um, and, 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 and really dive in there and serve. And these seven men did that, but also... Uh, noticed at the end of verse 3 and maybe this was more for me than it is for anybody else here but i'll share it with you anyway because i have a feeling it might be for somebody they were to select these men and in the end of verse 3 says we will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word see they they raise these people up but those who were in charge needed to Turn responsibility over to them. They needed to allow them to lead. And that's, that's what happens. It works both ways. When we are serving in our area of calling, it allows us to back away from certain things and to let somebody else step to the front and serve and do what God has called them and gifted them to do. Um, but it also allows us to be more effective in the things that God has called us to do. Because it says right here that they wanted to give their attention to prayer and ministry of the word. And I think it's really, really important for us to understand they weren't unwilling to serve. Okay, It wasn't like, oh, we're too good for that. You know, We're not going to serve the widows. Their point was God has given us a very specific calling. We are to preach. We are to spend time in prayer, and we are to spend time communicating the gospel. And if we get diverted by spending all of our time figuring out how to care for these widows then we're not going to be able to do what God has called us to do. And so the cool thing about doing that and and the way that works is when we do what God has called us to do, it frees others up to do what God has called them to do. Isn't it cool how God works that way? We get to excel, we get to grow in our area of giftedness, in our calling, but it allows others to do the same. And I tell you, I, I have benefited from that tremendously over the last several years, you know, having started the church from the very, very beginning, I kind of had to be involved in pretty much everything from the start. And as the church has grown to be able to, to back away, sometimes that's not easy, by the way. Sometimes it is difficult to turn responsibility over to somebody else. But I'll tell you what I've learned. When you have the right people in place, number one, they do it better than you can. And number two, there's a lot of freedom that comes from knowing it, it allows you to focus, and this last six months to a year for me, I've been more focused on the specific things that God has called me to than at any other time in in the history of our church, and that's because I've been blessed by people who are coming into their area of calling and are willing to step up, so when we do that, it, it helps, we all help each other, but here's the thing, we all have to do our part. Lynn, if you don't mind, bring my little visual up for me here. Uh, I brought something with me today to just kind of illustrate this point, that every single part has to work together. Every part needs to be connected appropriately in order for things to work. Now, I borrowed this cool little toy here from Stephen and his family, and I've decided that I might want one for myself, because this was just kind of fun. So I'm doing my sermon prep, and then I'm taking a little break and putting things together, and then Stephen had to finish it for me, because I wasn't smart enough to figure it out. But, but this is a little snap circuit board, and maybe you can, can, can see what's going on here. And the way this works is there's all these intricate little parts that are all connected to one another, and it creates these circuits, and when you flip on the switch, it does absolutely nothing if one part is not connected but if you connect that last little part now the thing comes on everything kind of works together and that's kind of fun and we see all the lights which is really kind of fun here's the really fun part right, this is this is why I need one of these at home see all this stuff working together does things like this and you get all the fun little stuff flying everywhere pretty cool stuff right but if again one part if it just doesn't work guess what no more just that one little piece is all it takes and it's not going to work anymore. And I think this is a beautiful illustration of the way the church is designed to work. We can do some, some, some pretty amazing stuff, right? Impact, not just fun, hey, there's things flying in the air stuff, but I mean really fun stuff too, but really impactful kinds of stuff. But if one part isn't connected, we don't work the way we're intended to work. And so... We each need to find our part. And when we do, here's the last thing. And I'll just touch on this quickly because it's time to to wrap up here. But what happens as a result of that? Let me again read verse 7. It says, So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Here's the last thing. When we all serve, we advance the gospel. This is some significant stuff that's happening here in the early church. Because every part is doing their job and they're working together, and the apostles are able to focus on what they are called to focus on. People are coming to faith in Christ. So much so, by the way, that it says that a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, let that sink in for a moment. Priests were those who were highly, highly trained, who had a really strong background in Scripture. You think that they would just willy-nilly say, hey, I'm just going to follow this new group that that popped up over here. I think I'm going to become one of them. They would probably be the most difficult people to convert because of their background and that was their livelihood, that was their, their, their calling, that's what they did. And yet a large number of them were becoming obedient to the faith. That tells me that there was incredible power at work In the spread of the gospel and that happened because everybody was able uh, to do what they were called to do they were focusing on what they were called to focus on Gateway family I hope you share my passion in spreading the gospel to our community and and really even all around the world you've heard me say this before you will hear me say it many many times again but God has put us in a unique situation we are surrounded by people everywhere. I mean, within a short drive of our church, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people uh, that, that need to hear that God loves them. Who need to hear that though they are sinful, that Christ died for them. They need to know that God wants them to be part of His family. And God works through us to communicate that message. And so we have the opportunity to advance the gospel. We have the opportunity to share the good news that there is forgiveness in Christ, that there is new hope in Christ, that there is new life in Christ. And when we experience that ourselves, then then we all join together and we all do our part and we get connected together. And when every part is connected, then we function the way God designed us to function. So I want to encourage you to find that that connection that God wants you to have. What is your piece in this? How does God want to work through you to help people get connected? Not only for those who don't know Christ, but for the thousands of people who do know Christ, but aren't connected to a church family. Those like Billy and Angie, they're like, you know, we just haven't been able to put roots down. We haven't been able to get connected. And maybe some people don't realize it as clearly as they do, the importance of being connected to a church family. See, God can work through us to solve that problem. He wants to work through us. But if that's going to happen, we've all got to find our place and we have to serve together. Let's pray together. Lord, today I pray that you would put a very specific um, kind of just a next step that we need to take on each of our hearts, Lord. And I I thank you for those that serve. I'm just so grateful to be in a church where so many people give of their time and energy and and giftedness. Lord, for those that don't, I, I pray that they're able to experience the joy of knowing that they're a part and knowing that they're contributing. And so, Lord, make it clear what that next step is there as well. We love you, Lord. We thank you for using us. Thank you for working through us. What a privilege it is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.